0: Services. It's a real joy to have you present today, but it's more enjoyable to have the Lord's presence. Did he not say where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst? And we do thank God for his presence in this hour. I want us to pray for one of the members of our church who stands in need of our prayers, Wayne Wilson. Wilson came into the fellowship of this church several months ago and uh, sat usually brother right down pretty close to where you're sitting right now and he's been out for several weeks. Wayne is facing some difficulties and I want you to pray for him Wayne Wilson. We'd appreciate that so much and uh, I think brother Randy has mentioned how fast time is passing. I remember and uh It's almost like yesterday, September the 6th, that will be Tuesday, will it not? In 1953, I happened to be in Miami, Florida, just happened to be there. And there was another person by the name of Nora Brown, she just happened to be there. And uh, I looked at her and she looked at me and we got married (laughs) 69 years ago. Now it can be done or you can make it just seven days. (laughs) But uh, I thank the Lord for my wife who has been so faithful to the Lord and supported me in so many ways during the last so many years. And it is a joy to celebrate that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. This is the seventh in a series of sermons on this book. We started it seven weeks ago. And we've tried to move a little slowly. I hope not boringly slowly. Because Jonah, though it be a short book in the Old Testament, it is a loaded book in the Old Testament. Out of all the writers that our Lord could have ascribed anything to, he ascribed to Jonah when he said, Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth Three days and three nights. Some of you have made all of these series sermons. Some of you have missed. But I hope you can piece it together and stay with us this morning. Turning to Jonah chapter 2 verses 7 through 10. And then the third chapter verses 1 through 2. And I want to speak on the subject of a seasick fish. You don't see too many sea sick fish. But Jonah did. Matter of fact, he caused it, didn't he? Jonah chapter number two, verses seven through 10. Jonah is speaking, and he says, When my soul fainted within me. That is a classic statement. Usually, when you faint, you faint bodily. And many times you just collapse. Jonah said, when my soul fainted within me, his soul stopped working. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Into the first two verses of chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now Christ our Lord used the story of Jonah as a sign of the gospel. That's what the Pharisees asked for over in the New Testament in Matthew 12, verses 40 and so forth. Show us a sign. We, we want to see a sign. It's not enough we're looking at the creator himself, but we want to see a sign. And the Lord said, there will no sign be given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. As I said, our Lord used the story of Jonah as a sign of the gospel. Whatever happened to Jonah was but a type of what would happen to the Lord Jesus Christ over in the New Testament. The picture of the gospel in the book of Jonah is most astounding. Let me give you some examples. Number one, wicked men laid their hands on Jesus Christ and placed him on a cross. You read that in the book of Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. It says this, Peter is preaching. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. Now when you study that as a forecast in Jonah chapter number 1, verses 14 through 15, listen to what the mariners, the sailors said about Jonah. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let, not, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Fulfilled completely in what Christ would experience on the cross of Calvary. Again, Christ died while he was on the cross. He did not swoon. He did not go into a state of comatose. He did not do any of that. He actually died on the cross. According to Luke chapter 23, verse 46, that contains one of the six sayings of Christ on the cross. And he said these words, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. And he gave up. The ghost, Jesus Christ, died on the cross. But also, Jonah died while in the water of the turbulent sea, not in the fish's stomach, but in the waters of the turbulent sea. In Jonah chapter number 2, verses 5 and 6. Jonah describes his situation after the men had thrown him into the stormy waters. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. Notice, he doesn't talk about his body, he's talking about his soul here. Even to the soul, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Jonah died while in the waters of the turbulent sea. His soul fainted within him. Again, Christ's body was placed in a tomb where it remained for three days and three nights. And the fish that God had made swallowed up the dead carcass of Jonah And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. Not two and a half days, three days and three nights. It commemorates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, Christ's soul, while his body lay in the tomb, his soul went down to a place called Sheol Hades and visited there how do we know this well in the book of acts and this is a repeat but sometimes one of the best lessons of learning is repeating and repeating in acts chapter number 2 let me read that passage for you acts chapter number 2 verses 29 through 31 acts 2 29 through 31 David, the prophet, was speaking when this was written. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, According to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Sheol, that being Hades or Sheol, the Old Testament place of departed spirit. The soul of Jesus Christ went to Sheol. I believe it is clearly in verse 27 of Acts chapter 2. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For three days and three nights, the body of Christ was in the tomb. And during the three days and three nights, his soul visited Sheol. And he had a purpose for doing that. We talked about it last week. And finally Christ's soul was reunited with his body after three days and three nights and he came forth alive from the tomb. You have a lot to say about thanking the angels for their advertising that. In the 28th chapter of Matthew beginning with verse 6, they said to the ladies who came to the tomb, he's not here, he's risen. As he said... Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre and with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail, and they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. So his soul went down to Sheol but was reunited with his body in the grave. And on the first day of the week, he came forth from the dead alive, very much alive and has been alive and always will be alive ever since. Jonah's soul was reunited with his body after three days and three nights. And he came forth alive from the belly of the fish. In Jonah 2, verse number 7. Jonah 2, verse number 7. When my soul fainted within me, Jonah said in his soul, his body was already in the fish, but in his soul... It fainted within him, yet he remembered the Lord. And his prayer came unto the Lord in thine holy temple. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Let's think for a little bit this morning about Jonah becoming a type of the sinner. There are many types in your Bible. A type is a picture It is a presentation, it is a representation of something real that you're going to read about in another place in your Bible. Let me give you a quick example of that in Genesis chapter 22. Just listen to this if you will. This is a different reference altogether. In Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Now, primarily, Isaac was a type of Christ being sacrificed on the altar at Calvary. Remember, he asked his father, where's the lamb? And the answer was, God will provide himself a lamb, speaking to the day that Christ would, in his body, hang on the cross of Calvary. But also a secondary application as a type. Isaac was a type of the sinner He would have died, and had there not been a ram to take his place and died in his stead, Isaac would have died. And my dear friends, you and I would spend eternity in hell. As Christian people, we'd spend eternity in hell had not Christ Jesus took our place. He's the ram in that particular, particular instant. I believe when you read passages like this, especially Jonah being swallowed by the fish, and then his soul going down in the watery grave of of the mighty ocean there. Uh, He must have tried to save himself. I mean, is not that a natural thing to presume? When people are swimming in uncertain waters, and all of a sudden their feet can't touch the ground any longer, and they realize that their hands and their arms are paralyzed, and they can't swim any longer, they begin thrashing about in the water and screaming out and doing everything in their power to keep from drowning. I believe that Jonah did his best to stay alive. He did his best to save himself. He tried to swim and stay alive as long as he could. He did everything possible to deliver himself. I believe he held his breath just as long as he could. Isn't it strange that unsaved men try to save themselves? They want to find the answer to their problem. We're hearing today maybe more than I've been aware of in perhaps many, if not the entire past of my life. There's so much dope and drugs and opioids and mess that's going around. And 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 these kids, they're so dumb; they don't know to leave it alone, and they think it kind of cute. And some of these drugs, they that, that doesn't take a long time to take their lives. Isn't it amazing? But they try to do this, and then they maybe join institutions and say, "Well, the Republicans ought to do something about it," and the Democrats, "No, honey, you ought to do something about it." But what I'm saying is this. Jonah must have tried to save himself. He was dissatisfied with his condition, to say the least. He did not enjoy swimming any longer. If he was a swimmer to begin with, he never did go back into the waters anymore. He threw that water business. Didn't like that. He wanted out of his present situation. Likewise, the sinner must hate his condition in sin if he is to be saved. And it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us to that point where we hate our sins. Jonah realized that only God could save him. And one of the classic statements of theology in your Bible is what Jonah mentioned here. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah came to realize in short-time fashion, if I ever get out of this fish, God's going to have to do something. I've scratched, I've clawed, I've tried my best to climb out every way I possibly could. I can never get out of this present condition, but salvation is of the Lord, and it is, my dear friends. Salvation is of the Lord in its entirety. It isn't that God does 50% and the sinner matches it with 50% and pulls off a salvation experience. God doesn't need you in this business of salvation, my dear friends. It is entirely of the Lord, completely of the Lord. You say, well, I made my decision. Forget about your decision Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah made a whole lot of decisions. They're not recorded, but i mean, he made a bunch. If I ever get out of here, I tell, I'm going to give up my camels. Yes, sir, that's the first things going if I can get out of this fish. Salvation is of the Lord in its entirety. Ephesians 2 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. And in Philippians 1 verse number 6, having known this, that he who begins a good work in you will keep it going until the day of Christ Jesus. He speaks of the entirety of salvation being of the Lord in so many places For instance, in the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 5 through 6. Book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 5 through 6. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if it's by grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Salvation is either the work of man or it's the work of God. It is not a combination of the both. In its entirety. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. No free will there. No cooperation. No, would you just give God a chance? And especially this one, I love it so much. Send us your name. And when we get your name, we know you accepted Jesus. Salvation. I wish you could hear that clearly in your soul. Salvation is of the Lord. And if God doesn't move on you and save you, you never will be saved. That was Jonah's only way of deliverance is that God had to do the miraculous. Salvation is of the Lord in its entirety. Salvation is of the Lord in its application. Does it not say in Ephesians 1, verse number 4, having chosen us before ...foundation of the world. Now, that really dates back a pretty good while, don't you think? Having chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Mr. Spurgeon made a statement in one of his books I was reading this week. He said, salvation is older than creation. Now, you think about that. Salvation is older than creation. There were no angels around to serve on an advisory of the board. You think God made the angels so he could call them and say, Now, fellas, I've been thinking about saving a few folks, and I really need some help on this. Give him me, give me some input. No, he didn't do that. He did that before he created angels. And he certainly didn't depend on any human beings Uh, to help out and put together a salvation plan together. Now, Lord, if you're going to do this thing right, you need to do this and do that. No, no. Before anything ever was, God was salvation. It's of the Lord. It's of the Lord in its application. In Romans chapter number 9, verses 15 through 16 He saith to Moses, I, and God is speaking here. He saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it's not of him that willeth, it's not your will, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, it's not your effort but it is on him whom I will have compassion. And then it's repeated in verse 18, therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. God is a hardening God, but he's also a softening God. And he will have mercy on whom he will. Salvations of the Lord in its application. In its entirety. In its perfection. In Romans chapter 8 verses 29 through 30. It doesn't break down in midstream. In Romans chapter 8 verses 29 through 30. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. He does the whole thing beginning to end. Salvations of the Lord in his perfection. And finally salvation is of the Lord in its execution, how he does it, how he does it, Isaiah 53 6, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all and that glorious passage in 2nd Corinthians five twenty one God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the Grace of God by faith in him. Salvation is of the Lord. And that's what Jonah said. (laughs) If I ever get out of this fish, god got to do it. Salvation's of the Lord. Now, quickly, in verse number 10, God speaks and the fish obeys. God speaks and the fish obeys. And the Lord spake unto the fish. He's not speaking to Jonah now. He's talking to the fish, all right? The Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Four things are said about this fish. Number one, it was prepared by God. Verse 17 makes that very, very clear. That's chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. So, well, I just didn't know a whale could do anything like that. Well, not every whale can, but this one did. God made him for that purpose. Not only was he prepared by God, but he was huge. I think the first time I heard of this outlandish thought was maybe in a Sunday school class many, many, many years ago, that it's totally impossible for a whale to swallow a a human being because the esophagus is so narrow in a whale that he couldn't get down. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. I didn't know there were so many whale experts today, did you? No, the whale swagger, it was a huge, you know what the word huge meant? Uh, Ah, yeah, a big fish. It was prepared by God. It was a huge fish, big enough to do the job. (laughs) The fish was obedient. It swallowed Jonah. And thirdly, the fish got sick. In Jonah chapter 2, verse number 10, which we just read, the Lord spake unto the fish, and the fish vomited out Jonah upon dry land. God gave the fish a good meal and then took it back. Huh? He gave him a good fish, a good meal, and then gave it, and he took it back. Had a fish been human, it would have thought, what God just didn't know what he's doing. Why did he give me something? He's going to take it back. Yet the fish simply obeyed God. It is human beings that argue with God. We don't argue so much that when he gives us good things, it's when he takes those good things away, we don't think he's so good. Are you quiet now? Huh? You ever been there before? The sin of Adam has made all of creation sick. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, we'll forego that one, but it's a good reference nonetheless. Let me spend a few minutes also on this. All of creation obeys the commands of God except man. All of creation obeys the commands of God except man. Who continues to rebel against God. Balaam's donkey obeyed. I really love the stories and the narratives that are set forth in the scripture when God told Balaam that he could go and preach all he wanted to, but he wasn't to say anything bad about his people. And Balak hired Balaam, the preacher, gave him some money, said, Tell you what, you go and curse the children of Israel, and I, you'll never want for anything else in your life. Well, he got on his donkey and he headed out down the road to curse the people of God. And all of a sudden the donkey did something very strange. The donkey just pushed over against a fence and it pinned the leg of Balaam to that fence and Balaam just took a stick and popped that mule over the head. And he went a little bit further. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Balaam didn't see it. But then the, 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 the donkey went out into the fields, went on his own way, and Balaam struck him again. And finally the donkey just simply fell down at Balaam's feet. He said, I'm not going any further. And the donkey and Balaam had a pretty good conversation going there. And the donkey said, why in the world did you hit me these three times? And Balaam said, if if I'd had a gun, I'd have shot you. But the donkey could see something Balaam couldn't see. He saw the angel of the Lord. And God told that animal to speak, and it did speak, and it spoke in Hebrew Brother Kozar, you really believe that? Mm hmm. I really believe that. Elijah was going to go and preach for the Lord, and one of the messages was a message of condemnation on the children of Israel. He said, God's going to send a famine, and there's going to be a, a drought that will last for three and a half years. And Elijah began to wonder how he's going to be able to feed, find food. And God said, don't worry about it. In 1 Kings 17, 1 through 4, God sent the ravens to feed him. Now, I've, I've, I've been preaching 70 years. I've had a lot of folk feed me. And the biggest mistake they make is they never serve me chicken because they think everybody does and nobody does. And I love chicken. (laughs) My wife and I had the privilege of being dined by one of our loyal members of a church, and I'll not tell you where. But it's been many, many, many years ago. And this dear sister didn't care too much for me. And we sat down at her table. I Did she kill her husband? He wasn't there. I think she may have killed him before we ever got there. But we sat down at the table and she said, Preacher, I want to ask you a question. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, why don't you go back to the Red Hills of North Carolina? We don't need your kind out here. And I thought, well, I wonder what we're having for dessert today. (laughs) I've been fed but never by ravens. I've seen them on the side of the road and I've seen some ravens, bless your heart, with a paper plate in their mouth wanting people to drop some in it when you pass by. But they never fed me. Daniel was cast into the den of lions and they wouldn't harm one hair on his head. God told him keep the mouth shut God speaks to everything. Only man rebels against what God tells him to do. Animals obey what God tells them to do. Peter's rooster obeyed, did he not? He said, I didn't know Peter had a rooster. Well, he sure did. And God said, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before that rooster ever crows. And when that rooster rooster crowed, Peter remembered he had denied the Lord three different times. Just as... Calls, what caused that ro- God told that rooster to crow and he told him when to crow the Hebrew children were cast into the furnace of fire and Nebuchadnezzar said we threw three of them in the fire and now we count and the count is there four down there and the fourth one looks like the son of God and the children of Israel were taken out and they didn't even smell like smoke God did that. Christ Jesus was being chauffeured by the disciples across the Sea of Galilee, and the storm broke up, broke up the it looked like it was going to break up the ship. The wind, the waves were destructive, and and the the disciples said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And the Lord awoke from his sleep and said, Peace be still. Happened just like that. The demons obeyed when the Lord went over to Gadara and there was a demonic who had about 5,000 demons possessing him and the Lord cast them all out. Not only did he cast them out, but he threw them in the hog pen or over the cliff where the hogs could eat the demons or they'd have to go into the demons. That's awfully interesting to me because They were in the bootlegging business. Jews weren't supposed to raise hogs. Don't worry about it. It'll come later. Yet a man thinks he can flaunt himself before Almighty God. God provides a complete salvation. Look once again at the magnitude of verse 10. Jonah 2, 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Don't forget, this was a huge fish. God not only made the fish, he made him a huge fish. This was a big, it's translated over in Matthew as being a whale, probably was a whale, but something like that, a huge fish, And Jonah had been in the belly or the esophagus or the abdominal cavity. His body had been in that cavity for three days and three nights. And now the fish gets sick and spits Jonah out. Whee! I don't know how close the whale could get to the land. Because if he got too close to the land, he'd land bog himself. I believe he was out on the water quite a ways, but he spit Jonah up, and he didn't say, now, Jonah, <laughs> you, you're going to land in the water, but you get there the best way you can after I get rid of you. No, he landed on dry land. You believe that, Brother Cousin? With all my heart, I believe that. Yes. God provides a complete salvation. This was a miracle in itself. As I said, the fish could only get so close to shore. And yet the fish spotted him and spouted and vomited him out and Jonah hit dry land. He did not land in the water and have to make it by himself the rest of the way. Listen to this statement. Our blessed Lord Jesus was carried into the tomb, but nobody carried him out. I've got the power to lay my life down. I've got the power to raise it again. It was a complete resurrection from the dead. So much that Christ said finally on the cross, it is finished. It means it cannot be added to. Look at chapter 3 verse number 1 in Jonah, and the Lord the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second Time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. God's commands are not optional. And God's commands are not debatable. When God tells you something to do, you best get after it. You say, well, don't I have a choice? I wouldn't advise it. If God tells you something to do, Best you do that. And usually when God tells you something to do, you'll be able to find the principle for it in the word of God. It won't be something crazy like, well, I, that's the reason my uncle, uh, he preached in the rattlesnakes. So, you know, they, they wouldn't bite him because God told him snakes wouldn't bother. Do something right, will you? One time in your life. Don't play with snakes. God's commands are not optional nor debatable. He means what he says. God will never tell you or trust you with another responsibility until you are faithful with the first one. And what is the first responsibility? Of the believer, of a person who's just come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, what is the first thing that God is telling him to do? Be baptized. And there are some people today who have been supposedly Christians their entire life and they've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. You don't do that in order to be saved. You do that because you have been saved. But it's the first command we have that Christians follow the Lord in baptism. And if you've never done that, I believe I would slow down on my Christian profession a little bit Or I believe I'd go ahead and follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Christians are supposed to do that. God will have his way. Preaching to Nineveh follows Jonah's resurrection. In verse number 2, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. You know she didn't change it up much. He started the book off by telling him, you need to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh. And through this whole, whole ordeal uh, of being swallowed by the waters and, and, and his body being in the tomb of the fish or the esophagus or the abdominal cavity of the fish, uh, while all that was ha- all he had to do was do what God told him to do. But he didn't want us to do it let me make a quick observation and we'll bring this to a close. Before Calvary, before Christ died on the cross, okay, before Christ died on the cross, the message was for the Jews. Okay? Let that sink for just a moment. In Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. I'm almost there. Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples. He's sending them out to preach. He said, Don't go into the way of the Gentiles and don't go into any city of the Samaritans. Don't you enter in. Verse 6 But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Before Calvary the message was for the Jews, but after Calvary the message was for the Gentiles also. Paul said in Romans 1:16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in that famous passage in John, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. However, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But who did he come to first? The Jews. The Jews. The Jews. And isn't it strange? God is sending Jonah to preach to the Jews now. No, they were Gentiles. And that's the reason Jonah didn't want to go to start off with. He had one wish for God, and I wish he'd send them all to hell. He didn't like Gentiles. I think there's such a close-knit relationship between the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel according to Jonah. Lord willing, next week we'll go with Jonah into Nineveh and observe what God did for those people. Who lived in that city? Let's stand, please, for prayer. Join us by.